Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are for another great Wednesday night, United. We're so glad that everybody's joined us tonight. We're going to get into some good things from the Word of God. I believe they're things that the Lord would have us to say. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to continue with this series that we've been on, Let Us Draw Near. And I believe this is the fifth part of this series. Uh, beginning over in Hebrews 10 and 22, if uh, you remember Sunday morning, we dealt with very specifically the importance of the Word of God where drawing near was concerned. Well, we want to deal with some things tonight and maybe over the, the uh, uh, coming weeks uh, that are going to help us grow because the goal of the Christian life is progression. Uh, we could say maturity or even being spiritual. Uh, this is important especially where our drawing near is concerned. Uh, because remember this, that everything that God did for us, He did so that man could be near to Him. God is not holding anybody at arm's length, all right? Every person can be as near to God as they want to be. Every person can be as spiritual or as mature Every person can progress as far as they want to as a believer. Uh, Paul says here in Hebrews 10 and 22, if uh, you remember the verse, he said concerning uh, believers, he said that you and I, let's read the verse here. Uh, he said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And we said in the very first message of this series that when Paul said our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, we said that an evil conscience was a conscience that was fearful of some past sin, something that was done in the past that has not been forgiven or rectified. So he said, let us draw near, come near, let us worship, let us go near. And we have to understand that to be near to God is to be near to his word. If I'm near to God, I'm near to his word. God and his word are the same. They, they, they cannot be separated. The attributes ascribed to God can be ascribed to his word. All right, God is truth. His word is truth. God is eternal. His word is eternal. God cannot lie. His word cannot lie. But there are other attributes that the Bible ascribes to the word of God uh, that have to do with our maturity, that have to do with our growing up and uh, our ability to draw near. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 23, 
It is a familiar passage of Scripture, but there's something to focus on here. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, and Paul says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now, this is an important word, W-H-O-L-L-Y. All right, holy. Or he's saying the whole of you. All right, the Woost Bible says this, May the God of peace himself consecrate you every part of each of you. Right, this is important. Because Paul is saying that the whole of the believer is to be sanctified or consecrated. And then he says, and I pray God, your whole spirit, then the King James says, and soul, we could say, and your whole soul and your whole body. Be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice every part, spirit, soul, and body. Now the reason it's important to understand the tripartiteness of man, or that man is a three-part being, is to understand how we mature. Because we're going we're gonna to look at salvation because it's been said that salvation is in three tenses. I don't mean that <clears throat> three tenses in the sense of it is, uh, you know, you're saved, that there's a progression. I, I want you to see what the Bible says about this. If I don't understand the tripartiteness of man, if I don't understand the three parts of man, that I am a spirit, that I possess a soul, and that I live in a body, then there are things that will frustrate me. There are things that will uh, frustrate my walk with God. There are things that I will not mature past. So it's been said that salvation is in three tenses. Now notice, not here, here's what I want to say, not three parts, three tenses. In Ephesians 2, we see the first tense, meaning the first tense is that we have been saved from the guilt and the penalty of sin. Ephesians 2, verse 4, notice what it says. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. So firstly, we have been saved. We have been saved, past tense. We have been saved from the guilt and the penalty of sin. All right, we'll reference this more as we move forward. So when you were born again, your spirit was completely made alive. All right, the real you, the, the, you, the spirit, was saved from the habit or from, from the guilt and the penalty of sin. That's past tense. 
that has been done. All right? Now, secondly, let's go to Romans 6. Secondly, we are being saved from the habit, the power, and the dominion of sin. Notice what it says in Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, if you remember the scripture in the book of Romans, excuse me, Corinthians, Paul said that the cross is preached, and it said to uh, one group it's foolishness, but he said to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. One Greek text says to those of us who are being saved. Now, someone will say, well, I'm already saved. I'm already born again. Why does it say being saved? Because there's a second tense. There's three tenses. There's a second tense. We are being saved from the habit, the power, and the dominion of sin. Meaning that we're every day overcoming the habit, the power, the dominion of sin. All right, I have the victory over it because I'm born again. But every day I'm exercising the victory over it. All right, just because a person's born again does not mean they do not have to exercise the victory that they possess. Because you can be born again and live in defeat. You can be born again and be in bondage to something. I was talking with someone that I have very great respect for. As a matter of fact, it was my pastor. And, and we were talking about a certain situation that a person went through one time. That they were born again, they were saved, and yet in, in, in bondage, to a certain work of the flesh. Now, people will say, how is that possible? Pay attention to this statement. Because there are people that are saved, that are born again, but their salvation has never affected any other part of their life other than their spirit. And so they're born again, and they are are saved in the sense that they are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But that new creature status, that newness of life has never affected them in their solical realm. Hallelujah. Do do, do you see this? Let, Let me use a personal example. All right. When I got born again, of course, I was I was very young when I got born again, eight years old. All right. Now, I lived for the Lord, and there, there came a time in my life, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, uh, I, I walked away from the things of God. And for a couple years, two or three years, uh, I believe, uh, I, I did my own thing. All right? Well, in living that time away from the Lord, I just let my flesh do whatever it wanted to do. And so when I came back to the Lord, when I decided to get serious about the things of God... There are some things I had to overcome. And one of them was my temper. Well, I was just as born again as anybody, but it didn't take anything to set me off. 
Hallelujah. So I was born again with a hair-trigger temper. Hallelujah. If I didn't like what you were doing, I had you told in a hot second. Amen. I'd get mad and yell and scream and punch the wall. I know nobody else has ever done that. But here's the thing. Was I born again? Yes. Was I saved? Yes. Then why did I have that temper fit? My salvation had not affected my temper. You see, I was born again, but when I wanted to get angry, I allowed the dominion of that sinful anger and the dominion of that fleshly temper to have its way. I allowed it. Was I born again? Yes. Was I cleansed from sin? Yes. If I would have died that day, would I have went to heaven? Yes. But yet I was out of control in this area. Why? Because my salvation had not, not yet affected that part of my life. Hallelujah. And so that's why Paul points out that we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in our body. It's so important that we understand the, 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 the role of each of those parts. Because as a spirit being that's born again with the life of Christ on the inside of me, if I allow my soulical realm, my mind, my will, and my emotions to rule, if I allow those three parts, mind, will, and emotion, if I allow them to remain unchanged by what happened to my spirit, and, and we're going to get into this in a moment, a large part of that is feeding myself on the Word of God, taking the Word of God, renewing my mind. If I don't allow that to happen and be a change agent, then there are areas of my life that I'm going to stay carnal. I'm going to stay flesh-ruled, even though I'm born again. And, and this is where a lot of people struggle. And, and it's not something that we make light of. When Paul wrote, for instance, in Romans 7, and he said, uh, remember he said, when I want to do right, I find that sin is present, evil's present. Well, that wasn't the dual nature theory. That wasn't Paul saying, I have two natures, a sinful nature and a spiritual nature. Remember, when you got born again, your nature was changed. But I have to allow that nature, that spiritual nature, that nature of God and that nature of Christ to have the ascendancy in my life. And Paul was simply writing in Romans and saying, you know, there are people that say, and I've said it and I believe it's right, that Paul was talking about that is the old man before Christ. And, and that, you know, he's, he's dealing with these things without being the new creature. But, you know, it's also Paul saying this, that even when you're born again, there's going to come times that you've got to deal with that old nature. And in the end of Romans 7, the beginning of Romans chapter 8, he tells us how. He says, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Through what Jesus did, 
I have the victory over this solical issue that I'm dealing with. And then he tells us, in Christ there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. He's saying that when you become in Christed, when you become grafted into Christ and you become a new creature, then your nature is not to walk after the things of the flesh but after the things of the Spirit. But here's the issue. I have to ingest the Word of God. I have to keep my mind centered on what God said so that I have the ability and the power to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Glory to God. Thirdly, Philippians chapter 3. Notice that all of these, these three things deal with the three parts of man. Ephesians 2, 4 through 8 dealt with the spirit of man. Romans 6, 14 deals with the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. Philippians 3 deals with the body. Verse 20, our conversation, our lifestyle is in heaven from where we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He's able to subdue all things to Himself. So thirdly, at His coming, our corruptible bodies will be made incorruptible, made like the glorious body of Jesus Christ. Now understand something. Very often when we talk about the flesh, people look at this body as the flesh. Well, we are living in the flesh, and the body is the flesh to an extent, but the flesh in the Bible is more or less the soul. Because this body, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, and this body are connected. And understand something. The condition of my soul determines what I do with this body. If my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions are under the control of my spirit, then this body is going to be involved in godly things. Right? If, if it's not under the control of my spirit, my mind, my will, my emotions, then this body will be involved in carnal things. But hear me. This body without the Spirit is dead. That's what the Bible says. If my spirit leaves this body, this body, this carrying case, just dies. So what I mean and what I'm trying to say is this flesh, this body, does not take any action that it is not commanded to take or an action that's not put in motion by the mind, the will, the emotions. If this body shows signs of anger, it's because in my solical realm, I'm angry and I didn't put a stop to it. I didn't pull it under the Spirit. 
if this body strikes another person in anger, the body did not do it. It was the anger, the resentment in the solical realm that caused that. If a person goes and commits adultery with their body, it's not their body that prompted that action. It was their thought processes. They thought about adultery. They contemplated adultery. They planned adultery. And the body then is just a willing participant in whatever the control center tells it to do, whichever control center's there. My spirit will never prompt my body to sin because in my spirit there's no sin. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us that when we are spiritual, that there's certain fruit that's there, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. It tells us that the works, not the fruit of the flesh, but the works of the flesh, and then it talks about them, adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, lying, all these different things. Those are all the works of the flesh, meaning that when I am under the control of an unrenewed mind, those are the works that the flesh will do. But when I'm renewing my mind by the word of God and I'm keeping my soul under the control of my spirit and under the authority of the word of God, I produce fruit. Hallelujah. So this is salvation in the three tenses. I was born again. My spirit was completely born again and made alive in the image of Christ. There are things that I am overcoming every day. Salvation is being worked out in my solical life every day. And thirdly, at the coming of Jesus Christ, my body will be completely transformed into the glorious body that God always intended for it to be. Hallelujah. Now, the reason this is important is, again, at salvation... Our spirit was completely born again. We were made new creatures in Christ. So why then does it seem that many believers are living carnal lives? The answer is in what Paul said to the Thessalonians. Every part of each one of you. So man is a spirit. Man possesses a soul, mind, will, and emotions. Man lives in a body. The spirit of the believer is saved. Born again. The soul is being saved. The soul, that's working out your salvation. The body will be saved, will be changed. So a carnal believer is one that's been saved and has never allowed their salvation to affect their soul. Notice in 1 Peter 2. Now this is easy to do, and what I mean by easy to do, when, when you get born again, if you just give the control of your mind and will and emotions over to the Spirit and you work on it every day and you stay in the Word, amen, there'll be a complete transformation. 1 Peter 2 and 2. 
He says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The Woos Bible says, intensely yearn for the unadulterated spiritual milk in order that by it you may be nourished. Notice this phrase, and make progress in your salvation. Make progress in your salvation. The goal of the Christian life is maturity or progress. And Peter states the way to mature or make progress is to desire the sincere, unadulterated milk of the Word of God, like a newborn babe. He says we should desire the Word like a newborn baby desires milk. All right? All the nourishment that that child needs in the beginning is in the milk. All right? And we desire that. There are are adults that still like milk. But here's the point that I want to make. He states we should desire the word the way a newborn desires milk. Today's English says, so that by drinking it you may grow up And be saved. Now notice something. He's writing to believers. They've been born again, yet he says that you may grow up and be saved. Hallelujah. Well, when you read this, the verse before it says, Lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings. Now notice, He's writing to believers and he tells them they need to lay aside malice and guile, quit being hypocrites, quit envying, and quit speaking evil. What does that tell us? There's some issues in their soul. They're born again, but there's some issues in their soul. And he says the way to overcome this, the way to grow up, in other words, If these things, malice, hypocrisy, evil speaking, if those are in a believer's life, Peter says you're immature. You're a baby. You're you're carnal. All right? And so what happens is that people will get born again. They'll get saved by the power of God. And then they need to be continuing in the Word. I've said for years, if you get a hold of the Word of God, and if you come to church for six months and you just sit under the Word, your life will change. Well, what will happen? Your mind will get renewed. Your mind will get renewed. You'll start thinking differently. Hallelujah. You know, when you got born again, If you were a liar before you got saved, well, when you got born again, immediately you ceased being a liar because you're changed. You're a new man. But how many know it wasn't very long before you had the opportunity to lie again? And then you had to decide, am I going to let the new nature respond here or am I going to do what I've always done? 
and lie. Right? At some point, you had to make the decision to lay that aside. And what happened when you laid it aside? You grew. You matured. You grew up. Hallelujah. And so Peter says here, there's some things you need to lay aside. And instead of operating in those things, you need to desire the milk of the Word of God so you can grow. Grow past what? Go Grow past evil speaking, hypocrisies, lies. Grow past carnality. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you see this? There's been things in my life before. I say, Lord, now what is, what is the issue with that? And he would say, that's carnality. You're, you're just being carnal. Well, that doesn't feel good, but thank God he gave me the answer. Hallelujah. Notice James 1. James chapter 1. Over and over again, we get the, we get the answer. James 1 and 21. James says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, notice this, which is able to save your, here it is, souls. Now notice again, James 1, 2, he says, My brethren. So again, he's writing to believers. And he says, you need to lay aside some things. And the first thing he says is all filthiness. That word filthiness means moral dirtiness. Moral dirtiness. And then he says superfluity of naughtiness. That means abundance of wickedness and depravity. Oh my goodness. And he's writing to believers. This is the question that came up to me. Should you have to tell believers to lay aside moral dirtiness and an abundance of wickedness and depravity? Well, we look at this, and evidently he did. But he says, notice what he says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. See, there's been a problem very often because we talk about, we'll say, well, you know, I went to this meeting and uh, 100 souls were saved. You know, we're out winning souls. Well, I understand what they mean by that, but notice James is writing to save people and he says that their souls need to be saved. Their souls need to change. Well, what is the soul? The mind, the will, the emotions. The thought processes, the actions, the, the seat of the action, the seat of the emotions. Now, this is how we grow. This is good doctrine. Because there are people that feel like they are a spiritual schizophrenic because they know they're born again, and there's issues going on in their life, carnality, 
issues that they cannot, they'll say, cannot seem to overcome, when in reality, they, they, they need to allow what happened in their spirit to invade their solical realm so they can change. I'm not making excuses. I'm giving the answer. Hallelujah. So these are people who have not allowed salvation to affect any part of them except their spirit. And we'll get more into this in a moment. He says the answer is to receive with meekness the engrafted word. So in other words, I need to look and say, that is where I need to change and I need the word in my life to change me. Hallelujah. There's nothing more miserable than a carnal Christian. Because a carnal Christian knows enough about God to know the areas that they're letting their flesh run away with them. They know that's not right. And they're miserable on the other hand because they know enough about God that they cannot enjoy their flesh running away with them. Hallelujah. Remember, before you got saved, you enjoyed sinning. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Amen. But after you got born again and the Holy Spirit came to reside in your spirit, when you would go to do something wrong, you knew that it was wrong. You knew that it was sin. And you could no longer enjoy it because you were born again and that's why 1 John says that the person that's born again cannot habitually remain in that state of sinfulness or consistently sinning because the Spirit of God's on the inside of him. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so a carnal Christian is an immature believer, an immature Christian. And the goal of the Christian life is to progress, to mature, to become spiritual and not to stay carnal. Just because you can be a carnal Christian is no indication that you should be a carnal Christian. Hallelujah. It's not okay to be a carnal Christian. All right, I want, I want to progress in my walk with God. Everywhere that we see these Christians who were living in carnality, the writer of the book that they're referenced in says, so you need to stop that, and here's how you stop it, receive the word. I reference being angry and, and, and my temper being out of control when I came back to the Lord. Well, guess what changed me? Guess what gave me the beginning of change in that situation? I found the scripture in the book of Proverbs that says the man that doesn't have any control over his own spirit is like a city without walls. He has no defense. Man, that spoke to me. Hallelujah. The second thing was when I, I boy, I got upset and uh, I, I let Pastor Michelle know what I thought and just chewed her out one morning and left for work. And I got to where I was working. I, I, I uh, worked in the meat department there at a grocery store at that time. 
and I was in there, and I was, I was getting prepared, and I was cutting chuck roast and doing what I was doing. I was there by myself on a Wednesday morning, and I heard these words. How dare you talk to my daughter that way? I, I want you to know I came to attention. And he said, don't you ever speak to my daughter that way again. And it came real clear to me. She was my wife, but she was God's daughter. And I got in the Word and began to learn how a man was supposed to treat his wife. It wasn't just my desire to change that changed me. It was receiving, here's the Word, with meekness, the engrafted Word that's able to save my soul. Amen. And what happened? Those areas of my soul were saved. They were changed. They were brought under the power of the Word, brought under the command of my spirit. Amen. That's why one preacher said, uh, uh, somebody was talking to him about, you know, how they wanted to go dance and, and, and wanted to go uh, uh, drink and wanted to go do all these things. And that preacher looked at him and said, oh, I dance all I want. I drink all I want. I just don't want. Do you see that? So your want to changes. When does your want to change? Well, it starts the moment you get born again. The moment you got born again, there were any number of things that immediately changed. When my wife got born again, immediately she was delivered from drugs. Immediately she was delivered from alcohol. Immediately she was delivered from prostitution. Were there things she still had to work on? Yes, there were things she still had to work on. She was immediately delivered from every hard intravenous drug that she had ever done. She was immediately delivered from the prostitution lifestyle. Amen. And she still smoked cigarettes. People will say, well, that's not that big of a deal. It was still a work of the flesh. It was still part of her solical realm. Now, it didn't take very long and she was delivered from it. But immediately she was delivered from those things. Immediately. But then there were still things she had to walk out. There were things that each of us were delivered from immediately when we got a hold of the Word of God and became born again and, and came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then there were things we had to walk out. I had to walk out my temper. I, I had to walk out criticism. I had to walk out being judgmental. Hallelujah. And other things that I, that I had to walk out and get the victory over. How did I get the victory over? Receiving the engrafted word, which is able to save my soul. The importance of coming to church is, is yes, number one, that you assemble together with believers. That you come and you fellowship with believers. But the primary importance of coming to church is that every time you come to church, you are receiving the engrafted word that can save your soul. That can turn your life around. Hallelujah. Notice 1 Corinthians 3. There's other instances of this through the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, verse 1 through 3. I, brethren, notice, brethren. So again, they're Christians. 
I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto or before now you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Why? You're yet carnal. How do we know? There is among you envy, strife, divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? The uh, Woosh Bible says, As for myself, I also, brethren, was not able to speak to you as I would those dominated by the Holy Spirit, but as I would to those dominated by the evil nature. As I would to those in Christ who are still, notice this, immature spiritually. Milk I fed you, not solid food, for not yet were you able to assimilate the latter. In fact, not even at the present time are you able to do so. Then verse 3, are you not ordering your manner of life as an unsaved man would do? Notice, he didn't say you're unsaved. He said you're acting like an unsaved man. Do you see that? You're acting like an unsaved person. Well, why? They're not maturing. They're not growing. Paul says there are things that I should be able to move you into, but I can't move you into them because there's still this level, this area of carnality. Fleshiness. Hallelujah. They were immature. They weren't progressing. Hallelujah. In every believer's life, I've, I've done this recently, and I've done it in the past as well. Every believer in their life, at some point, they need to take an inventory of their life and, saying, and say, am I growing past that? This thing, that was an issue. Am I growing past that? Whatever it may be. Hallelujah. Why? Because I want to be maturing. I want to be growing. When uh, a child has an evaluation in school, you know, now there are, are better and worse school systems, and I understand that. But in a good school, in a good school system, they're not just going to promote a child because the rest of his class is moving up. What's the indicator if they're getting it? Their grades. Can they do the work? Are they at this grade level? Now, why is that important? Because promotion in your Christian life is tied to your maturity. I am promoted dependent upon the level of maturity that I possess. Hallelujah. And so the more I mature and the more I progress, the more promotion can come into my life. The more God can do for me. Hallelujah. You know, things like physical prosperity, financial prosperity, 
physical healing, walking in divine health. Much of that is tied to your spiritual progression, your spiritual maturity, right? If, if you just want physical financial prosperity to get more things, that is an immature way of looking at it. I will prosper to an extent because the law of seed time and harvest is in operation. Hallelujah. But when I begin to mature and I understand that the reason for me being blessed is to be a blessing and I'm looking for a way to bless somebody else and I'm looking for a way to be a blessing, that is a more mature way of looking at prosperity. What will happen? It'll begin to flow into my life. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Hallelujah. And so that promotion follows my progression. Hallelujah. You know, part of of maturity and progression and, and growing past the carnal aspect is, uh, is this, and, and, and again, I'll use myself as an example. I used to be a blame giver. I don't know if you've ever been a blame giver. And here's what I mean by that. Somebody else was always to blame. It's somebody else's fault. Well, yeah, I said that, but here's why. I wouldn't have said that if you hadn't said this. Well, I wouldn't have acted that way, but you acted this way. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, you talk to me that way, you deserve what I said. See, that's, that's giving the blame. When the Bible says, Jesus said what? He said, uh, uh, love those that hate you. Do good to those that despitefully use you and persecute you. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. The Bible says let your words be seasoned with love and with grace and things that edify the hearer. That doesn't mean that I may not have to tell somebody something straight at some point. It means that I'm not responding out of the flesh and then saying, well, I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't done this, I grow past that. I progress. And then what happens? God can promote me. If you're constantly laying blame on somebody else for why something hasn't happened or why you're not progressing, you can't lead anyone. You can't be put in a position of leadership or put in a position of helping others grow because you're not growing. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And back in James 1, remember he said, to receive with meekness the engrafted word. So Paul said the Corinthians were living as an unsaved man would. And he said the reason is that they were immature. Well, what's the answer? Because we've looked at this issue. Now, what's the answer? 
James 1.22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Notice this, deceiving your own selves. What does that mean? Hearing the word is not ingesting the word or applying the word. James said you need to hear, but don't just be a hearer, be a doer. Amen. I I used the illustration from marriage before. Scripture says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is a verse that can be quoted and can be memorized and can be something that a person says. But knowing that I ought to do that means I heard it. Evidence that it's affecting me is that I'm doing it. Hallelujah. Because hearing is not doing. Hearing does not mean it affected me. Glory to God. So James said, the answer for change is that change occurs, maturity occurs, when the word that's being heard begins to be applied to the believer's life. You cannot stay carnal applying the word to your life. You will cease being critical. You'll cease being judgmental. You'll cease being offended when you apply the word to your life. Glory to God. I have a, a saying in my life. I'm entitled to nothing and grateful for everything. That wasn't always the case. There was a time in my life I thought everybody owed me something. Well, Pastor, that's pretty transparent. Right. Why can I be transparent? I'm, 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 I'm past that. I'm entitled to nothing and grateful for everything. When did I be, begin to become grateful? When I begin to see in the Word that that's part of the new believer's life, that's part of the spirit of man, is that I'm grateful, I'm thankful, I'm gracious for everything that comes into my life. Children have an entitlement mindset. Immature people have an entitlement mindset. Hallelujah. But when you begin to grow and you begin to mature, and you begin to apply the Word of God, you just name the subject. You just name the issue. Well, I'm having this problem with my mind, Pastor, and this keeps coming, these thoughts keep coming, and it's not very long. I end up doing what I'm thinking. Well, of course, because you'll go the direction of your most recent thought. But when those thoughts come and you apply the Word and you grab a hold of them, and you say, that's not my thought, I'm not thinking that way, I cast that down, I obliterate that stronghold. Hallelujah. It won't be long, that thought has no effect on your life. 
But as long as I hear that and do not participate in the doing of it, then I know what to do, but I do not do it, right? Which is immaturity. That's like the child that the mother says, I want you to clean your room. Before I get home or in the next couple hours or whatever. And the child goes, okay, yes, ma'am. By their response, the child heard them. Now, if the mother comes back in the room or comes home later in the day or whatever, and the room is not clean, the child heard, but they did not do. What's that evidence of? Immaturity. That's how children operate. As believers, when we hear the word, we have to train ourselves to have what? Immediate agreement with the word. That's what the word says? Yes, sir. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, the word says to lay this aside? Consider it done. Yeah, but pastor, it's not that easy. Any quality decision is as easy as you make it. If you make it easy, it's easy. If you make it hard, it's hard. Your flesh, your body, will do whatever you tell it to do. Your mind, your will, your emotions will think, act, and respond to the degree that is brought under the the control of your spirit. Hallelujah. Spiritual people are just that. They're living out of their spirit and not their soul. One last verse. 1 Peter 2. We looked at this earlier, but it's important that we're looking at the answer. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may notice that you may grow. An alternate rendering of this could read, eat God's word, read it, think about it, and grow strong in the Lord and be saved. So notice that, again, the answer is ingest the Word. Bring the Word into your spirit. Eat it. Read it. Think about it. Act on it. And what will happen? You'll grow. You'll grow. I've seen this over the years. The moment that you take the Word and you see it in the Word and then you say, okay, now I'm going to apply that to my life. What happens, if we could use this word almost immediately, is you start growing. You start growing because you're applying the word to your life. You're hearing it and doing it. Hearing it and doing it. Hearing it and doing it. And the more you hear it and the more you do it, the more you grow. Hallelujah. And and that's why hearing the word, operating the word, ingesting the Word, doing the Word, is so important in your drawing near to God. I'll finish with this. A large segment, especially of the denominational body of Christ, denominational churches, 
a large segment struggle in their walk with God because they're, they're not convinced of the fact that they're righteous. Hallelujah. What is the answer to sin? Preaching on hell? No. Preaching on righteousness. Preaching on the victory you have over sin through being righteous. This whole message tonight is not about anybody, you or anybody else being carnal. It's about the answer. If you or someone else is carnal, here's the answer. Ingest the Word, do the Word, act on the Word, apply the Word, and what will happen? That carnality will go. Amen. Because I'll use Peter here again. He said, uh, laying aside malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speaking, desire the sincere milk of the Word, and you will grow. And so when you see here in the Word, and maybe, maybe it's something on that list, maybe it's in something else. And, and let's see, a person says, you know what? I battle being a hypocrite. I say one thing and do another. All right, Lord, you said right here, if I would desire the sincere milk of the Word of God and apply it to my life, I'd grow past that. And so now what are you doing? You're exercising faith in what the Word said. Amen. And you're saying by the verity of the Word of God, by the truthfulness of the Word of God, when I got born again, I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am not a hypocrite. I do not desire to do one thing, and say one thing and do another. I will not do that in the name of Jesus, and I've got the Word of God on it. What happened? You just started growing. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, that, let, let me finish with this. That, that's where your confession comes in. That's a large part of your confession. I, I remember one time Charles Capp said and, and wrote in one of his books, if, if a person was overweight, they should confess this three times a day. I do not desire to eat so much that I become overweight. Now, body, settle down in the name of Jesus. Why would a person confess that? Well, it's based on the scripture that, that, that sin will not have dominion over you. And the more you apply the word to that, the more you grow past it. So when you're confessing the word, you're not just confessing the word to get something. You're confessing the word to be something. When, when a person, for instance, and, and this is a, an elementary example, but if a person uh, has a temptation to sin, what if they answer that temptation to sin with this? Oh, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to do that. What they just do? They answered that with the Word. Now, a carnal believer, an immature believer, will go ahead and fall prey to that and then say the devil made them do it. Or I just couldn't help it. Well, but you know, Pastor, I can repent. You're right. You can repent. You can ask God to forgive you, and He will. But He expects you then to learn how to overcome that. To learn how to grow past it. 
Well, how do I do that? Sin shall not have dominion over me. Hallelujah. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. Lord, you said in your word in 1 John, you said whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, and the wicked one cannot touch him. You said in your word, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in what the word said. Our faith in what God said about us. So I overcome the world. You overcome the world. We are not carnal Christians. We are not immature babies. When something comes up, we know how to deal with it. We deal with it according to the word. We look inwardly. We look inside. What's our spirit saying? And then we act on that. Hallelujah. That's what I'm declaring over you. That's what I declare over you. All of our churches, you're strong in the Lord. You're mature believers. You're a good churches. Hallelujah. Do you see this? So, in an atmosphere, and I'll close with this, in an atmosphere of the Word is where maturity is. In an atmosphere of the Word is where maturity is. And the more Word that you're ingesting, the, 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 the more you're coming to church, the more you're fellowshipping with other believers, the more that you're assembling yourself together, the more you grow. And so you are in the atmosphere of growth tonight. Growing past those things that would try to keep you in the area of carnality and ultimately keep you from walking in God's best. Well, we're going to walk in God's best. Amen.